Thank you. You fire me up. The rest of us need to wake up. Jesus is alive. The problem is the enemy has lulled us to sleep in the American church. And so I hope and pray that God wakes us up today by the power of His Word and the power of the name of Jesus. I want to invite you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Last day in Nehemiah for a while. Nehemiah chapter 6. As you turn there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever tried to lick your elbow? Go ahead, try it. Anybody want to try it? Can't do it. It's impossible. Some things are impossible for humans. Did you know that? It's just impossible. According to a recent ESPN article, a football coach by the name of Rob was born without any arms and hands and fingers. He was born without legs, feet, and toes. And as a kid, his sister would challenge him to try new things. And so one day he was watching a football game on somebody who was playing the PlayStation. And uh, they were playing Madden. Madden is a, for those of you who don't know, it's a football game on the, it's like a Nintendo device, PlayStation or Xbox or whatnot. And so Rob was watching this and he thought, you know, I think I might can figure out how to do that with my chin and my collarbone, play the PlayStation. And so he learned how to press the buttons with his chin and his collarbone. And uh, he would study and he would learn the game of football through playing this game. Pick a play, execute it. Diagnose the defense. That's what he would do over and over and over. When he was in high school, they had a tournament in his high school, 32 teams. He came in second place. He became a manager on the high school football team. Worked his way up for the next 12 years. He became an assistant football coach at five different schools. And then last year, he became a high school football coach in California, junior varsity high school football coach. Now, here's the point. Humans can do extraordinary things with hard work, guts, and focus. You believe that? They can. We can do incredible things. Whatever, most often, whatever we put our mind and heart to do, we can accomplish incredible things things, but disciples of Jesus can experience the impossible. The problem is, most people in this room today, I would bet, don't really believe that. You see, we live in a lost world, and on our own strength, we should be doing and reaching a lot more people. We should be putting the seed out there. You know, we can't grow harvest. But we should be more engaged daily, spiritually, and physically. But when you add in the impossibility of what God can do, then there's no telling. There's no, no eye can see, no mind can wonder all the incredible things that God wants to do in your life and in my life and in the life of our church. There's a man in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. And he believed that God could do anything. 
let's see. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Now, Nehemiah set out to build this wall. And we don't know for sure if he knew how long it would take. We know that uh, the king gave him a deadline. So he was pressed. Anybody love deadlines at work? Well, he had a deadline. He had to build this wall in time. But 52 days was extraordinary. I learned this week that in 2007, archaeologists discovered part of Nehemiah's wall in Israel. Did you know that? In Jerusalem. 2007. And they found this wall. They discovered that parts of it uh, were 15 feet thick. The old walls of Jerusalem had an average thickness of 8 feet. An average height of 39 feet. You with me? This is a big wall. Two and a half miles long, 34 watchtowers and seven gates. Now the wall is almost complete here at the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 6. Entitled this sermon, Can't Stop the Feeling. Number one, verse one. Now when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard, that I had built the wall, the Nehemiah is talking here, and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the, and the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. That had to be a bad place. Oh no. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Now, if you need help guiding yourself through this passage today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a few verses, and then I'll give a summarizing truth. Now, that doesn't mean there's... A whole lot of other truth that's just jam-packed in these verses. And that's for you to diagnose and for you to hear from the Lord today and to pull that out and apply to your own life. But for the sake of time, I'm highlighting one. Number one, truth from verses one through four is this. When Satan can't make you do his will, he will attempt to distract you from doing God's. God's will. Say that again. When Satan cannot make you do his will, he will attempt to distract you from doing God's will. Now the wall was almost finished. It was almost there. A lot of people in their spiritual lives, here's the problem. God does something in your life as a child. God does something in your life extraordinary as a teenager. And and maybe it's salvation. And you realize, man, I, I don't know. I know that I'm a sinner, and I, God, I want you to save me. And so you start this journey. You start this this walk with the Lord. And then over time, you really, in fact, you could say that your spiritual ceiling. Many people probably here today, your spiritual ceiling was in high school or college, or in your twenties, or maybe even as a child. And I would just think, how sad is that? You see, God doesn't want that to be the case. God wants you to finish well, friend. And today, you can, you can honestly come to this place in your life and say, Lord, 
I want to stop playing games. I want to stop letting my life be all about me. And, and Lord, I want you to be king of my heart. And God, I want you to finish writing my story in a whole new way. And maybe today you say, Lord, here I am. And God, and then tomorrow morning you wake up and, and maybe you have your time with the Lord or, or maybe you're a night owl like me and you like really have your quiet time at night. And, and so you, you get up in the morning and say, Lord, okay, here I am. It's Monday, but I made a decision yesterday that, that I, wanna, I want you to be king of my heart and I want you to finish writing my story. So today, Lord, I give you this day. God, I want to believe by faith. Lord, that wherever you, whatever you tell me to do, I want to do it. God, whatever you want me to see, I don't want to miss it. God, I want to work today for the glory of God. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so then you come home and you stop by the grocery store on the way home and it's different because now you have purpose. You're not living just, you're not just going to the grocery store to eat. You're going to the grocery store for the glory of God and you pick out some double stuffed Oreos for His glory. And so, and, and your life's just different. There's a new song in your heart because you're right with the Lord. Now the truth is, if you're stubborn today and you, and you choose for not to let the Lord be king of your heart, then you're not going to have peace of the Lord. You're not going to have fruits of the Spirit. You're going to have fruits of the flesh. And there's too many people walking around that go to church that are not right with the Lord. And that ought not be. And today, the Lord, He's not throwing rocks at you. The Lord's saying, hey, come and watch what I'm doing. And if America doesn't come, he's still going to do what he's doing. He's still at work. These guys, Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem, they knew this wall was about to be built and they were terrified. And so what did they try to do? They tried to get Nehemiah to stop building the wall. Tried to distract him. And what was their plan? Why don't you come down here and meet with us? We want to meet with you. Well, that would have been very dangerous for Nehemiah to accept the invitation because they probably probably would have tried to kill him. It would have been fruitless. Nehemiah had discernment. Do you have discernment? To be able to recognize when the enemy is trying to trick you? To have discernment through God's Spirit says, man, this might not be a good idea. Nehemiah answered because Samballot at this point now, was the governor. And so, he was a neighboring governor. Samballot, he had to respect authority, so he had to send an answer, but he didn't do what the Samballot wanted him to do. Samballot was a serious threat to the Lord's people. But Nehemiah stood courageous. And I wonder how many times we, we run and hide and cower in the face of far less great enemies. Samballot was a big dude. He was the governor. He was strong personality. He had great influence. And Nehemiah did not let that scoundrel deter him from serving the Lord. And we let a lot, far less enemies discourage us and knock us off track. But Samballot couldn't stop the feeling. Verse 5. Read verses 5-7. through seven. In the same way, when Samballot, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand, and it was written, It is reported among the nations. And Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. And that is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. 
and you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. The enemy will attempt to make up things about you. Heed the voice of the Lord. The enemy will attempt to make up things about you, about your life, about your past, about your future. You listen to the voice of the Lord. Notice what this guy brings up. They bring up the past. They bring up the future. They, they try to twist the truth. They say that Nehemiah is trying to do what? He's trying to lead a rebellion. He's trying to build this wall so he can become the king. Try to twist the truth because you see there was a king in Judah and his name was not Sembalat. His name wasn't Nehemiah. His name wasn't Artaxerxes. His name was Yahweh, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. But, he, but these guys try to twist the truth. So when you hear false truth like this, you can respond in two ways. Number one, you say, you know what? I, I think the enemy's right. I've ruined my life. I've gone too far and I've disappointed everybody and I'm just a failure. I'm just a loser. And, and you know, might as well eat, drink, and be merry and, you know, die and, and just whatever. Forget it. You can start believing the lies. Or number two, you can respond like this. It is written, He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. And He set my feet upon a rock. Psalm 40, verse 2. You can respond like this. It is written, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. When you start hearing the lies, hearing the voices, you can respond like this. It is written, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. you believe that this morning? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's good news. That causes you to sing. That causes you to have some pep in your step. The peace in your heart, even when your world's falling apart. So whose voice are you going to listen to today? That's the question. Whose voice are you listening to? Fake news? The world? Disgruntled Christians who are not walking in right fellowship of the Lord and who don't even go to church? And who complain about how bad America is? I don't think I'd be listening to those people. Who are you going to listen to today? You're going to listen to old Samrat, Samballot, old Tosad, Tobiah. Those guys are just walking in the flesh. And the Lord says today, friend, it's already finished. I love you. He's turned your mourning into dancing, if you realize it. He's making something beautiful out of all the rags in your life. Moving on, verse 8 through 9. Can't stop the feeling. Verse 8. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things have you have said. 
you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. You see his heart to pray? He knew where the spiritual battle was. He knew that it didn't rest in his own strength, but it, what mattered is that the Lord would strengthen his hands. Here's the truth. Courage is the fruit, is a fruit of obedience. Courage is the fruit of, of obedience. When you're following the Lord and you are walking in the center of God's will, guess what? You will be courageous. You will say things that you normally wouldn't say. You will be able to stare in the face of enemies. You will be able to walk places that you never would have been able to walk had you not been right with the Lord. Isaiah 43, the Lord says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. The Bible teaches us that perfect love casts out fear. Now, the trick is Nehemiah here. I'm sorry, I I got all kind of confused. I just skipped what I was supposed to read. I, I, I shared the truth from verses 10 through 14. So keep that written down. You're going to need that one. Courage is the fruit of obedience. It's the attempt for the, this preacher boy, temple pastor, TV preacher here in Nehemiah to try to distract Nehemiah, and they come up with this plan. But let's come back to verse 8. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, the King James says. That's the truth, James five sixteen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, he was righteous because he did the cupbearer job so well. No, he was righteous because he had faith in the Lord. He spoke truth courageously. Nehemiah loved Artaxerxes. He was loyal to the king. He would never try to throw a coup. And so they said, Nehemiah says, you're just trying to frighten us. You're just trying to keep us from witnessing. You're just trying to keep us from building this wall for the glory of our God. Now, verse 10 through 14, courageous, uh, courage is a fruit of obedience. Now, the plan here in verse 10, let's read it. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehatebel, these are great names, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should I, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sembalat had what? They had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sembalat, oh my God, according to these things that they did. And also the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. What was the plan? The plan was they hired this priest to trick Nehemiah into going into the inner courts of the temple. Now, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He was a lay person. He wasn't supposed to go in the inner courts of the temple. Who was supposed to go there? The priest. 
many years before, King Uzziah, he went into that holy place. And what happened to him? He, he was struck with leprosy. And so Nehemiah understood. He said, I'm not supposed to go in there. I'm not a priest. I'm not supposed to go into that holy place. Because see, if he would have done it, then it would have been all over the 10 o'clock news. Nehemiah went into the Holy of Holies. See, he's a sinner. He has sinned against the Lord. See, his, his motive is not pure and righteous. His motive is wrong. His motive is he just wants to be the king. That's what their plan was. But they could not get Nehemiah to harm himself because he did not want to sin against the Lord. Courage is the fruit of obedience. In Iran, or Iran, 1979, they kicked out all the missionaries. They killed a lot of the pastors. And and this evil government basically said, Christianity is going to be illegal here in Iran. The church was very weak and fragile, and, and many people thought that the Iranian church was going to die. There were only 500 Christians with a Muslim background. Only 500 that they could count. Well, something amazing happened. This weak, fragile church began to grow. Today, there are more than 1 million Christians in Iran with a Muslim background. That doesn't even count all the other people. And Iran today is the fastest growing church in the world. You know the number two fastest growing church? Afghanistan. You know why? Because the Iranian believers said, you know what, our language is similar to theirs. Let's go be missionaries and let's go share the gospel with our friends. Our our friends who want to kill us. And so they did. The Iranian church is growing because they have courage in the face of of evil. We are afraid to talk about Jesus publicly often. But these believers here are getting their lives threatened and standing courageous in the face of that. They're missional and they're intentional. I want to share with you quickly two examples. Reza was trained, being trained to become uh, a leader In Iran, he wanted to climb the ladder and he wanted to become a politician. Basically, he wanted to work his way to the top and he was being trained in an Islamic seminary, lost as he could be. And uh, one day, as he was studying Islam, he found left in this seminary, a Muslim seminary, somebody had left a New Testament Bible on the table. Now that's a bold move. I wonder who that person was. That sounds cool. Let's just go plant Bibles in the Islamic seminary. But he found this Bible and he began to read it. And out of curiosity, it just drew him and, and when he would read it, something would just stir him inside. Long story short, Reza gave his heart and life to Jesus and today he's a church planner. And you know how he came to know Christ? It wasn't, this is rare, it wasn't because he heard somebody articulate the gospel, he read it for himself through God's Word, through the New Testament. Today's a church planner. Another example, Fatima. Fatima, her earliest memories of her family is whenever she was 
raped by two of her family members. At age 11, she was sold in marriage to a drug addict. He then divorced her when she was 17. She goes back home looking for refuge, and she was raped again. She left home. She wandered the streets. She heard the gospel. She received Christ and was saved. She married a Christian man. She was trained in evangelism, discipleship, and church planning. And today they've planted multiple churches. Felt called after they had planted the first church. Was doing well. Was in a worship service, much like this one. And the Lord began to knock on her heart. I want you to go back and see your family and share the gospel with them. She says, Lord, that's the worst thing that ever happened in my life. Why would I go back into that place? But she did it. She goes back home. She shares the gospel. And every one of the people in her immediate family accepted Christ. And see, we struggle to get fired up about the Lord because we don't have any faith. We forget that our God can move mountains. You believe that? I mean, if He saved us, that's an example of the impossible right there. Supernatural God. He creates the stars every day, creating new stars, being born. Maybe God today is not finished writing your story. Maybe He's not. Maybe He wants to do something extra. Maybe He wants to do something different in your life today. I want to encourage you. Get on the page with the Lord. Say, Father, what are you saying to me today? And I believe if you listen, as you look through these, these verses, if you tune your ear to hear the Spirit of God, He will speak so clearly. And as we close, verse 15 all the way through 19, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Jehonan, actually it's Jehohanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. You see, Tobiah, he was just a drama king. He, he was just trying to stir things up. And here's the good news. Look at verse 15. The wall was finished. 52 days. Here's the truth. When God's people join, where God is at work, the impossible can happen. I'll say it again. When God's people join where God is at work, the impossible can happen. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep praying. These nations were trying to make Nehemiah afraid, but the point is this. In the end, all these other nations were afraid of Nehemiah. They were afraid of God's people. Judah's enemies, they were so concerned about stopping God's people. 
And Nehemiah, he didn't go down there in that mud. He stayed up high and he followed and served the Lord. Now, what are you going to do with this chapter? What am I going to do with this chapter? The Lord wants us to be discouraged and defeated and, f- and have no hope. And God doesn't want to see His people like that. He doesn't like seeing His people taken captive to, sl- to sin. He doesn't like His people to be filled with hopelessness. Because see, the gospel gives us all hope in Jesus. Do you believe that He's enough for you today? That the Lord, that He's really all you need? Friend, I want to tell you, He's worth giving up everything for. He's more than anything you could ever get in this world. Today, if you don't know Christ, I want to invite you to receive Jesus. Jesus saves and He can change your life. We're going to have a time of response right now. I want to ask you to close your eyes.